Hello, it's Wednesday, November 8th, and welcome to episode 273 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm NSI Senior Fellow Morgan Vigna, and I'm joined here today by NSI Executive Director Jamil Jaffer, NSI Deputy Executive Director Jessica Jones, and my fellow Senior Fellow, Webster Munson. Yesterday was Election Day in the United States, and in sticking with this theme, today we are discussing Ukraine's elections, or should I say, whack thereof. On Monday, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky delivered a video address in which he ruled out holding the country's presidential vote next March. Zelensky stated, Now in wartime, When there are so many challenges, it is absolutely irresponsible to throw the topic of elections into society in a lighthearted and playful way, adding that the waves of any politically divisive things must stop. It is no question that Russia's invasion into Ukraine has completely disrupted Ukraine's way of life. Political activity is at a standstill. Martial law was extended in July until November 15th, thereby indefinitely postponing October's parliamentary elections. I'll know that this was the first major disruption in elections in Ukraine since the war started. There are also 8.2 million Ukrainians living abroad, and 4.7 million people are internally displaced, which makes for severe logistical challenges, potentially limiting the ability of a large chunk of the population from engaging in the democratic process. It also goes without saying that Ukraine's military, especially those soldiers fighting on the front lines, would also have limited ability to vote, given they are literally defending the sacred right against Russia. Ukraine is also largely dependent on Western assistance and doesn't have the money to hold elections on its own, even if it wanted to. Now, at the time, Zelensky was elected in 2019 to a five-year term, which he had previously pledged to only serve one term. And there are those in the United States, such as Senator Lindsey Graham, a stalwart supporter of U.S. assistance to Ukraine, who have called on Zelensky to hold elections. And then, of course, there are the negative optics that Russia would surely seize on uh, that would paint Zelensky as a threat to democracy if he didn't hold elections. So, Jamil, let's start with you. What do you make of this? Should Zelensky stand by his commitment to only serve one term and hold elections in March? Is it even possible to do this? Well, look, I mean, I think you have to think about this in the context of, of the war. The idea, by the way, that Russia is going to come after Vladimir Zelensky for being the threat to democracy, given that they invaded uh, a democratic, independent nation, is is laughable on its face. And that they have faux elections all the time where Vladimir Putin wins by, you know, 80, 90 percent margins. Uh, that's a joke. Right. Uh, let's just take that off the table. Um, but I will say, you know, there is a mixed uh, a mixed history here. Right. So in the United States during World War Two, uh, we held elections, 1944, uh, fourth term for uh, for Roosevelt. Uh, but of course, uh, the challenge uh, being that um, we weren't invaded. We were, didn't have a direct invasion here in the UK. Uh, they didn't hold elections for uh, the entirety of the war. And so uh, there is a history um, of uh, in wartime. Uh, not holding elections, even in the most democratic of nations. Uh, so I think, you know, there's there's a, a potentially the problem, of course, is that it plays into the whole narrative about Ukraine that um, that those who don't support funding for Ukraine, whether on the Democratic side or the Republican side, um, have said, which is, you know, corruption and undermining of democracy and the like. And it plays into that narrative. You know, it's worth noting, by the way, that Zelensky had, yes, had made a one-term pledge, but had thrown that away long before the war, even in 2020. He was saying, well, you know, maybe a second term is necessary to get the reforms done that I want to. So his one-term, you know, pledge, like with many presidents, is out the door, uh, has been out the door for a while. But this question of not holding elections, it's going to hurt their ability to get additional aid to the United States because it's going to be another thing that people will use to say, look, 
this is proof, uh, you know, Ukraine is just as corrupt and problematic as other nations. Well, let's let's talk about that funding piece. How do you think Zelensky's decision to not hold elections will affect Congress's existing inability to pass supplemental funding? I mean, surely this would play into the hands of the more populist freedom caucusy types. The Tulsi Gabbard, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, CrossFit personal trainer caucus uh, is no doubt going to attack Zelensky for this. Uh, in all seriousness, kudos to Zelensky for talking about this before Congress votes on the big Ukraine aid package. He's putting his cards on the table. He's being transparent. He's being upfront about the situation in Ukraine. I think he's dealing with this as an honest broker. That should be respected by serious members of Congress. Yes, Lindsey Graham warned that it would not be a great idea to postpone the, the, the election. Biggest, the biggest supporter of Ukraine in Congress right well, now. Well, one of know? one of them, he's a he can be a canary in the mine shaft on stuff like this. He's he's very aware of the currents within the particularly the Republican side. Let's be frank about it. Uh, but I think this is this is a this is an opportunity for members of Congress, particularly on the Republican side, to have a serious approach to the to the geostrategic question of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Let's understand what U.S. national interests are here. Our interests are in supporting Ukraine against the Russian invasion. That is clear. Let's not get distracted by the question of when the election is or this or that, that little corruption issue in Ukraine, where, frankly, Zelensky has been trying to, to work on the corruption issue internally. Uh, successfully or not, he has been working on it. So I, so I think we need to kind of drown out those voices, those extremist voices in this kind of Looney Tunes caucus who will, who will try to highlight this as some sort of issue. It's not. Congress needs to focus on what matters. What matters is the aid package. Let's get a good, strong one that will sustain Ukraine through the next year until we can, we can get to the next phase of the conflict. But what, what, I, but what is the next phase of conflict? I mean, I don't understand what the, what's the theory here? Do we want Ukraine to win? Cause it doesn't look like. Well, we this is, this is a separate question on what the administration has been doing and providing. And I think there is a very good case to be made. The administration needs to do a lot more. They need to be more forward leaning. They need to give Ukraine the things that it needs to win this and prosecute this war. They, they've been dragging their feet for too long. They've been trying to manage this and instead they need to be a little more all in. Well, Les, let me, let me poke you a little bit here and ask you to be a little bit more, more pointed. Should Ukraine hold presidential elections next, next March? Yes or no? And if so, should the United States put money to toward uh, toward helping Ukraine host them? Look, if Zelensky doesn't want to have elections in Ukraine because Russia has invaded and made it incredibly difficult logistically, that is totally fine with me. I'm not sure what the what the benefit would be. Zelensky is hugely popular in Ukraine. Uh, he there, there would not be any real opposition to him. He would surely be reelected in any kind of reasonable procedure. Mm -hmm. Yes, it would be in an ideal circumstance you would have an election. But if he says, I can't do it right now because we're too distracted by the war, I, I'm willing to, to believe that. All right. So just taking another approach here, do you think that Ukraine's foes will really seize on this uh, election challenge? You know, Russia is already launching massive invasion war or information warfare over uh, its invasion of Ukraine. Do you think they'll try to take advantage of this issue? And how, how do you successful do you think they'll be? Uh, of course. I mean, yeah. Sorry. go ahead, Jones. I, I, sorry. I'm sorry, Les, is your name Jess? I know we both end in S, but you I got a little you in there. Oh, okay. I feel like we're going to disagree because I find it hard to see how, to come, what Les just said. I mean, Zelensky is incredibly, incredibly popular still. He is the most trusted figure in Ukraine. Political opponents in Ukraine do not want an election. I mean, there's a petition from leading civilian, uh, civil society, civil society activists over a hundred saying we don't want it both because of ballots, 
all the reasons you you listed, Morgan, logistics, ballot ballot access, safety of voters, and also because you know the um, opponents are worried that if Zelensky will win, he'll have a you know a greater electoral mandate into the future, and he could you could you know be, use that as he will. And so I I have a hard time seeing how Russia is going to use when the popular opinion within Ukraine is we don't want elections. How they're going to use that against um, you might have more to lessen Jamil's point. You might have congressional lawmakers here using that against our support for Ukraine. But I I maybe I'm naive. I'm not the CrossFit um, club that Les is describing. So I have a hard time using this against Zelensky and and Ukraine. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Uh, thanks to Alex Toki, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday, November 10th for our next episode of Fault Lines, National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart, fast on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube, so check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>